stranded on the deserted isle that is Garrett Wong's acting skill at Svija Please, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm your off-camera death, Peter. Peter, what episode of Voyager did we watch this week so that we might review it for our dozen or so fans? (laughs) (laughs) Season 6, episode 18, Ashes to Ashes. I mentioned when we concluded our discussion of Spirit Folk, uh, which was great and you're wrong, I mentioned that I did not have fond memories of this episode, that I didn't like it and I pinned my dislike on not liking the guest star. I'm here to tell you that I still didn't like it. Uh, I have a lot of reasons why I didn't, although the guest star... So she looked familiar to me again as I watched. I'm like, I've seen her in something else. She's uh, uh, Jody. Yeah, she's Sheriff Jody from Supernatural. Yeah, uh-huh. where and I love her on that show. Sheriff Jody was one of my favorite like supporting characters in the later run of the show. Was because she just was kind of over it. You know, she's just like that. I'm a small town sheriff, and yes, there are supernatural things, and you know, like her the attitude that she brought to that character really worked. And that attitude brought to this character didn't. And that's probably part of my issue. But uh, yeah, this uh, this was awful. And I, I, I really disliked watching it. Before we get into this episode, I want to talk about Delta Flyers real quick. There's a lot of uh, stories they tell on that that are hard for me to get through when they're usually like personal in nature or whatever. But the stories they tell about set antics and hijinks Specifically, I just watched the one flashbacks, which uh, is the Captain Sulu Excelsior episode. Yes. They one that has a, a, has a little place in my heart of hatred in particular for me specifically. Well, uh, they spend I don't know, six to ten minutes on Delta Flyers explaining what gaseous anomalies are, which originated from this episode, which is set farts. <laughs> and the <laughs> as Garrett put it uh the fart wars that were between robert duncan mcneil tuvok and neelix and and just the the lack of shame on that set in trapping the crew members there's a good story in there about uh tim russ calling the the sound guys in closer so they could get a sound effect and it was him farting for over a minute (laughs) if you need reasons to watch delta flyers for me personally it's it's that deep cut fart talk. Nothing quite like content regarding fart wars on a television set from 26 years ago to draw in. Yeah. Anyways. Speaking of farts, this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is this going to be one of these things where we talk about the episode and then we, we present our feelings at the end or if we should just lay it out on the table. I I can't get away from my feelings on this. What'd you think of it? I liked it. Um, The, Going back to our statements at the end of last episode, um, you know, you already recapped yours. I my expectation here was we were going to have some sort of Isabella like next gen malevolent psychic phantom creature that was impersonating an old crewmate. Yeah, uh, you were you were thinking a demi Q situation. Some sort of a doppelganger, right? Yeah. 
with ill intent and I was not at all ready for it to actually be the missing crew member, especially given some very dubious origins that we get provided. Um, so I think the bones of this were really interesting. Um, makeup was really good. Like that's what we open with, right? Is this alien who looks like something out of Farscape, frankly. Yeah. She, she looks like the uh, white haired Farscape character except with no hair she's got like this coke bottle head almost Mm -hmm. she's fucking hot i didn't know i was into purple alien chicks that are bald but i'm into purple alien chicks that are bald kim Kim rhodes in the year 2000 was not a disappointment we'll we'll, uh we'll agree there and she is in her little i don't know shuttlecraft of some sort and she's fighting off a bigger ship and disables it and then flies off and tries to get a hold of Voyager, where we are informed that A-B plots are a thing again. Yes, the triumphant return of the B-plot might be the episode title. Yeah. Um. <laughs> That's what I have as my working title for this right now. Uh, we have just had a huge conversation that we had not seen really any A-B plots, so to speak, of. In season six, we had our conspiracy theories as to why, but it is back and forth in this episode. I think much to my displeasure. I hated the B plot. Uh, same. <laughs> I I want to briefly trace back to what you said about the bones of this episode are interesting. And I actually agree with that sentiment as much as I just disliked it overall. Um, the idea of a dead crew member coming back and the method by which they deliver that, you know, which is this, this, Interesting idea, interesting idea for an alien race that like resurrects dead people. You know, we'll, we'll get into that when they we get more detail on them. Uh, but it, that is not my problem. You know, like so many other Voyager episodes, the premise is interesting. But it's the combination to me of Kim Rhodes playing the character just way too casually and kind of like glibly it just does not mesh at all with the with the overall feeling of the episode and i think that's a big part of my dislike it just doesn't work and let's like i just kind of cringe when i'm watching it like was the, the were there not like anyone telling her like that's just not the that's not the take that we want here was she a big deal kim Rhodes? no i don't i i mean i think she became the biggest deal she's ever been in her career was supernatural which is uh, clearly after this you know, I mean, it's not like we've got a uh, Neil Patrick Harris, yeah, in here. You know, this wasn't uh, The Rock as The Rock, not early Rock. The license that she ends up taking on this is nuts. And let's see who I don't think I have up uh, Memory Alpha here. Who uh, who did this one? It was no names I recognized. Yeah, uh, it looks like Terry Wendell was the director who has done some other Voyager episodes, none of which uh, strike me as particularly uh, great. <laughs> Survival Instinct, The Voyager Conspiracy, Dark Frontier, just the second part, though. Mm. You know, so who told her to do this? And or more importantly, who didn't tell her to stop? Yeah, like she felt in this like, um, I don't know, like a character out of Clone High. Yeah, just too glib, too 
breezy, not at all uh, really matching kind of the tone that I think the episode was trying to set. It's not to say she's a bad actress. I, I, I really do genuinely like like I liked her a lot on Supernatural. I wish the the spinoff they were going to do with her actually happened. Uh, but it fit for there and it just doesn't fit here. And the second thing I hated about this is, God damn, Garrett Wong, just go to bed. Stop waking up and going to set. <laughs> like, he did go to bed. He did go to bed in this. He yeah, got just, some, some he is so talk. fucking bad. He is just the worst. He's he may be the worst Berman era Trek actor. Main cast Berman era Trek actor. He, I think he is actually the worst one. I mean, I I let's. I don't know if we want to unpack that if we have the time, but my cats are fighting. <laughs> <laughs> They're pissed, man. You got some Garrett fanboys over there. But they've decided to pick a fight with each other. And the thing is, I'll leave this in maybe. You have to understand, everybody, my cats are like 15 years old. They are ancient by cat standards. Yet one of my cats has decided to just go over and pick a fight with the other one. I, I think because? Just because they're cranky and old? I kind of start to identify with that more, though, I guess. Anyway, I'm going to take a second to break this up. Did you want to unpack the whole, is Garrett Wong the worst mainline Trek actor? We haven't had a mess hall in a while, so uh, let's yeah, let's go ahead and talk about this. Before we we try and quantify him as the worst, you know, who's the top? The, who who would you say is the the big five offenders here? If I were to like rank them, Scott Bakula, which you haven't seen yet on Enterprise, mm-hmm. Garrett Wong, Marina Sirtis, Gates McFadden, oh, Gates on. McFadden, what like? I can't, who would be worse? I, I'm trying to, st- here's the thing. Like, everyone's really. How are you going to hate a Gates? <laughs> the fuck's wrong with you? Uh, like. I, uh, I, I'm hard pressed to Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. That's it. That's my five. Those are my five worst. And, and Gare Wong is clearly worse than all of them. All the people I just mentioned, who I think are the worst, Harry Wong is like so far below the next one down, whom I don't know if necessarily who it would be, that it doesn't even feel close to me. It's rare to see anybody just destroy a scene, like it's, it's ultra rare. Like this, he is a uh, a foil card in the in the impressive stack of <laughs> of bad. He's a, I, I don't. He's a hollow rare. <laughs> yeah, like I can't. I, again, not Deep Space Nine, and then I haven't watched uh, Enterprise, but, you know, there's no other point where I can say in Berman era Trek, someone's just been a showstopper and from main cast completely taken me out. Like Beltran had a couple moments early season stuff, but I'm blaming that on writing, not on him as actor. Yeah, I mean, he's shown he's much better than the material since then. And I think back to some of like, the worst episodes of TNG with Troy and crusher right like crusher literally fucking his her grandma's like ghost lover gates mcfadden right that's just it it that that shit isn't as bad right like at the very worst that she had to deliver she did a better job than garrett wong generally does 
hell and when and they call upon Miranda Sardis to like carry an episode she actually generally does a pretty good job like Troy's focused episodes she's given she's given 110 percent and speaking to Troy specifically a lot of the stuff I think that you would criticize is just again bad writing like She's a, a fucking talking potted plant in a low cut shirt. Most captain, I feel as though he's hiding something from us. Like, how, how are you supposed to spin that as engaging and good? Right. And again, yeah, they do flesh her out very well towards the end. But um, yeah, Garrett's failings in this do weigh very heavily because it, it's, you know, the story relies on him as the anchor to like give any kind of narrative stakes to what's going on, right? Because, and, and here I'm going to go to my third major sin for this episode. The fact that this is just some fucking rando who died off screen that we've never seen before. Again, and not any of the people who've died on screen that you just bring back. Particularly, why the fuck isn't this the lady from Latent Image? The episode? Yeah. Like, straight up, it should just have been the same character. Even if you had to recast it, even to cast it as someone else, it was Kim Rose who was playing. It should have been someone that we saw die on screen in an earlier episode that they brought back. So that you could just unpack all of that continuity as part of setting it up instead of spending what they end up having to do, which is an inordinate amount of time trying to convince you, oh, this chick was great. She was awesome. She's Kim, Harry Kim's secret best friend you never knew about. Blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just it was so annoying. Is it the Tom Paris, um, Nick Locarno? I don't want to pay another writer royalties conundrum. It is one other episode. Who fucking cares, right? Like it's, and she's not going to be a, a reoccurring character. So this is the third time now. I want to say that Voyagers pulled this on us. To be fair, uh, latent image. That was the whole point of the episode. Was that wait who what I, I'm supposed to care about this character? Why right, they made it a oh. plot point? Yes. That's the whole reason that happened. Um, the first time is when we open up. It's back when Jonas and Hogan are still knocking around. And uh, that guy who was in a mining colony with uh, Chicote dies and you, you get the eulogy about how he's everybody's best friend. And it's like, I have no investment in this guy. You just you just made Tom up or whatever the fuck his name was. Right. right? right. And And here it is again, like. You've got legit deaths. Use them. Don't don't parade fucking nobody's out in front of me like I'm going to care and then expect me to care and then leave me with this goofy taste in my mouth because I don't care. It's lazy and it's shitty. And and that'll lead into my bigger complaint towards the end. Uh, But yeah, so you've got like three plot lines going on here. You've got. This character in her cool, I think it actually got him an award or something, right? Oh, for alien the makeup. The makeup is great. I completely agree. It looks like it was nominated for an Emmy. And the makeup's even cooler when you realize, like, that's not the way, that's not an alien's natural look. That's a manufactured appearance of a, desiccate, of a, a desecrated corpse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the concept of the aliens is cool. All that stuff's cool. Her relationship with her new family and sister and the family ties there. That's all cool. Then you've got her as a human in the ship, that plot line. And then you've got the B plot, which is seven of nine as, uh, you know, 
Scott Bayo and Seven's in charge. <laughs> Remember that whole episode where Tuvok had to do the Tuvok in charge thing with a bunch of kids? With the space Amish. Yeah, was... Yes. Vividly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's uh, like a I tiny, don't... more uh, annoying version of that plot. Um, I will say that the, the little girl Borg, and what's her name? Nazadi? I don't mind her. She's she's good. I mean, for a kid actor, not a problem, right? Ichib comes off as a super bitch in this episode. Seven of nine doesn't do herself any favors with uh, her writing. Yeah, it was such but... a step back from like if I'm going to say anything good about season six, I think of what I've what I've had to say is that seven of nine's character developments actually started to really feel very consistently portrayed and written. And then this is just like some season four, seven of nine brickhead logic right like i do not yes. under i am robot lady i do not understand fun therefore fun will commence now we've seen all these opportunities for her to show nuance and understanding of emotion and all this other stuff like she's actually developed as a character and then there's just this huge step back so they can have dumb comedy beats because she's the the nanny you know like yeah, it's a real some real mrs belvedere shit <laughs> Do not desecrate the memory of the most amazing uh, 90s sitcom, Mr. Belvedere, by dragging it into this mess. Uh, So anyways, spoiler alert, the sweet ass looking alien who's trying to get a hold of Voyager uh, and then gets in a real lighthearted, whimsical conversation with Borg children by accident uh, is not, in fact, a alien spy who's trying to sneak in and infiltrate as I would say all of the warning flags in my Trek database would have made me think uh, she is what she says she is. And that is a dead crewman who died on an away team mission with Harry Kim, just like whatever her name was back in Leighton Image. And Leighton Image, if you don't remember, was an episode where the doctor didn't remember a crew member at all because he uh, would go crazy when he started thinking about the circumstances she died under. So they just deleted it out of his memory. And it was that was a badass episode. It was, was it, it five. Yeah, it was a season five episode. It was it was kind of like on our short list of the best of the season. It was a big deal because it, it turned the corner of like, is the doctor a person from maybe to probably um, and and kind of the Janeway coming to that realization of like, I have created a person out of this program. Therefore I must now start treating them as one and stop treating them as a toaster. Uh, and even if you decided it wasn't going to be specifically that character, because it was a similar like nineties hottie, right? Like as we reflected on like kind of like a similar sure. look to both of those characters, ultimately um, you could have made it somebody else that should have been someone who died on screen. Like whoever this Again, character someone is, you've got some reason to give a fuck. Right. Right. We find out that uh, she died on an away team mission on a show on a death cart and that Harry Kim very suspiciously buried her at space without returning her back to Voyager for a proper send off, which I'm going to go ahead and point out that Harry Kim has shown murderous intentions towards attractive women. <laughs> It wasn't clear to me that specifically he did it without returning her to Voyager. Just she, he said we buried her in space. It could have meant that no. he turned the body, right? He very clearly says that before he returned to Voyager, he buried her at space. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, straight yeah. murdered her, obviously. Yes. 
he murdered this lady and hid the evidence in the cold vacuum of space with his his clone brother <laughs> who was still out there floating around <laughs> in the Delta Quadrant. What if, oh man, what if it was the Harry Kim that got sucked into space and, and, when uh, and shattered? Don't worry, we're, we're going to play a very rousing game of what if later on. Okay. I've got a whole part of my notes dedicated to I, that. I can't wait. So she gets picked up by... Uh, what are these dudes called? The Necrons? They're the Necrons. That's what they are now. You're alive, but now you're a different person and you're dead. She could be a vampire. She could she could be whatever you want, right? They put her through extensive uh, genetic remodification. There's some sort of onboarding process where they brainwash you or, or whatever you want to call it. But by the end... You're supposed to be a new person with a new life and you let your old life go. But there are those few who uh, fall into this Logan's run situation where they don't want to play uh, ball and they try to reintegrate with their old lives and it causes big problems. And that's what happens here. She uh, laid low for two years with her foster family before they finally had enough trust in her that she could get the keys to the family minivan. <laughs> and took the fuck she off runs away it. from home. <laughs> yeah. I like the fact that we don't get to know a ton about who these Kobali, which is their actual name, but they're the Necrons, uh, like what their deal is. We get we get the background from Ballard. Her name's the character's name's Lindsay Ballard. We get the the background from her that she provides. We get a little bit more later on when her that she was quote unquote murdered by the quote unquote Herogen <laughs> and definitely not Harry Kim. And we get a little bit more background from her dad when she shows up later on in the episode. But you don't get a lot, right? Like it do, you don't need a lot. I accept as a Star Trek viewer that something like this can exist in Star Trek, right? I don't need a ton of background. Okay, sure. There's a bunch of Necrons out there that that uh, really procreate by harvesting corpses and resurrecting them and making them look this way. It's fucking cool. sweet, right? Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense, and I'm sure you could give me more detail on it, but I don't need more detail. All I know is... If that doesn't scream fucking delta quadrant i don't know what does. yeah it sounds like some fucking rancid shit that would happen in the delta quadrant <laughs> especially because it turns out they seem super reasonable <laughs> like of all of the terrible races of the delta quadrant the one that quote unquote procreates by taking harry kim's murder victims and turning them into family units and <laughs> being like super reasonable and be like hey can i have my person back i just want to negotiate like that no that tracks that tracks. They're like the really cool older cousins of the Borg. Yeah. Yeah. Like that cool goth cousin you had. Not like the shitty goth, but like goth in a, in a, in a like mysterious and artistic way. Like, hey, you done with that, man? Is it cool if I get it? Whereas the Borg are just like stealing from the department store. <laughs> they're they're thrifting. They're getting that stuff legit secondhand. Yeah. Um, so uh she gets back with Voyager and, and she knows uh oh Tuvok you used to only be a lieutenant and uh you want to put me behind a level 10 she starts name dropping right she starts laying out all this knowledge that only someone who has been on Voyager should realistically know uh and oh hey Harry I can see you there on the view screen as well 
and Harry looks all choked up. Um, and then we play a game of uh, Harry's Canadian girlfriend, right? The, it, as we've noted, the lamest part about this episode is this is just supposed to be the secret character that was apparently the coolest fucking chick on the ship that you never heard about until this moment. And in particular, this is Harry's like uh, nice guy crush, I guess is what I would call it. That you never heard of one time before because his girlfriend lives in Canada and you wouldn't know who she is. Yeah, <laughs> I, it feels like Garrett just wanted a love interest episode and they're like, fine, OK, shut up here. Here you go. Um, so she's been there in the background all along. You just never knew she existed. And Harry brings in all of this emotional baggage and Janeway's relying on him to see if, uh, you know, if that's really Lindsay. I'll know it. Okay, Harry, come on with me. Oh, Harry, I've missed you so much. I, Have a nice friend zone. Hug. I think that this dials in a little bit more for me. Another reason why I hated it. And it's I discovery has trained me to hate unearned sentimentality so much in Star Trek. Like I have a visceral reaction to it now because that show just absolutely relies on unearned sentimentality to drive any dramatic stakes whatsoever. And they do it all the time. And this is what this episode is trying to do. It's trying to create an unearned sentimentality of this character that literally didn't exist until now. And is the most important person in Harry Kim's life that no one fucking seemed to know and died off screen and no one cared. Like to the point where even Tom Paris starts making fun of him pulling out the resume of failures from the wrong twin <laughs> to falling in love with a Borg. A hologram. Uh, you didn't throw my AKA the catfish. Now this, you name it. Harry's made the mistake with it. Uh, we get some real creepy insight that uh, you've got all of the dead crew member stuff that Harry has saved. Instead of recycling, He's... which apparently he was told to do, but refused to do. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not going to get rid of your trophies. Come on. <laughs> it's like, I keep what I kill. Very, <laughs> very. New. Her fucking ice skates and what else was in there? I think of her clothes, a pogo stick or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> smell them. Do you know how long it took for me to fold these up after I'd rolled around in them <laughs> naked? Yeah, boy, he is the biggest fucking simp in this goddamn episode, man. Like. Garrett Wong's relative strength as an actor already being extremely low. The fact that he's written as this, the like, like weak need, you know, friend zoned nice guy simping for this chick is so bad. It's just off putting as hell. Going in universe on this, though. um, Because he's had kind of a crush on the wrong Delaney twin. Right. And I would say there was a sexual attraction to seven of nine. Uh, he's fallen in love with his share of holograms. Now that we've got Fairhaven potato lady under his belt. Um, do they ever really reconcile his decision to forget about his uh, caveman girlfriend back on earth? Not in the show especially given the leaps and bounds that Voyager's been able to make over the past six years with trans warp conduits and Kess throwing them and, and this shove and that, sho- you know, crazy space babies, whatever happened with the Equinox crew. Did they get a 
boost? No, they didn't get a boost off of that, did they? The Equinox episode? Yeah. No, I don't think they got further close. They didn't to get home. to use Helltech. No, they didn't. They purposefully did not use Helltech. They had to. But I think part that, of the whole premise of the episode is they had to stop them from getting too far ahead while they were using the Helltech Express. Yeah. But I mean, like anybody who thought there might have been a chance of ever reconnecting with the loved ones on Earth, like that's why it hits Janeway so hard when Mark gives her the Dear John letter and message in a bottle, right? She's got real hope they're going to get home. And for Harry, who's got this fiance. Uh, I would say that certainly should have gotten a little bit of attention at some point, but certainly not Voyager's worst sin. Um, they decide that her makeup looks too badass, though. She looks like too much of a bad bitch with her spandex pants and her cool, like her civilian clothes look really cool, too. I was like, why, why isn't she in a uniform yet? It was a nice, they it was want- a nice mix between clearly alien makeup and not too much in the in the right spots so that she could emote effectively. Like yes. the design of the getup was act she, she could act through it effectively, and that's what made it really cool. But yeah, they fucking ditched that halfway through the episode. We get to see front row seats to Federation super plastic surgery. The the scientific gobbledygook the doctor spits out is, yeah, this is Lindsay Ballard. No, I can't make her human anymore, but I can make her look human. And so she, she uh, gets to go back to being, well, Kim Rhodes. And you, too, could look like Kim Rhodes with only one shot of the hypospray in the neck. <laughs> From growing hair to changing the shape of your head to whatever he did to seven of nine heavy, extensive plastic surgery. Uh, yeah, it's all all yours for the low, low cost of one hypo spray to the neck. Um, what appears to be once in a while, but then gets escalated to twice a day, which. Doesn't seem like much fun, but when the alternative is turning back into like sexy Nosferatu. <laughs> I don't know, like, that's another weakness in the episode, the whole, her damage over, I'm going to always look like sexy Nosferatu, and it's like, Harry's correctly pointing out, we're enlightened space people, we literally have aliens on the ship, what the fuck are you worried about? Like, there's bullions, and blue-faced bullions, and Vulcans, and Neelix is a cat, like, no one gives a fuck. (laughs) Like, no one. It's not the weirdest thing to ever happen here, lady, come on. So dragging Discovery back into the forefront for a moment like that, it's one of the things that Discovery has always done very well for me is really flesh out the diversity of the Federation and Starfleet. You know, you've got countless worlds and participating species in the United Federation of Planets, which is certainly human heavy, but there's a lot of other stuff. And you don't really see much of that on Voyager. Like we didn't even know there were other Vulcans on board, I think, until that Sulu episode, right? The blood fever episode, I think, was the first time we actually confirmed had another Vulcan, right? No, but he mentions that there's other Vulcans on board. They don't picture that's right. But he does. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Mention that there's other Vulcans on board. So, yeah, the whole sentiment that she has this reservation that she's not fitting in and that she looks too weird to be in Starfleet or whatever. Like, uh, what what TV show are you writing for? Because this (laughs) that that does not fit at all. They try to they so, try to pivot in that scene to it being about her self identity, 
which I think there is some room to to go there, but it just was too late to introduce that idea because there's no indication from her until that scene near the fucking end of the goddamn episode where you're like, oh, her self-identification as a human is part of her wanting to be there, and now she's clearly not. Like they they just they set that they set that up and literally the episode ends. Like, okay. <laughs> Good job, guys. She gets her human face back. She starts trying to reconnect with her uh, old life. She's got this list of things that she wanted to do when she gets back on Voyager. She wants uh, to taste her old favorite salad, which Neelix looks like he put quite a bit of time in. She takes a lick of a piece of lettuce and decides it tastes like metal. And then just dips on the whole salad, which I think was very rude to Neelix. She goes down for a couple shifts in engineering. The whole crew has been very quick to reintegrate her and fully trust her. Uh, on one hand, I think that's nice, enlightened future Star Trek Federation people. Ever on the other hand, uh, again, this feels like a trap from like fifteen different ways. So uh, it's curious to see the crew jump on reintegrating her as quickly as they do but she figures out some problems in engineering and that's where we really start to see that things are not right she um identifies a problem she gets a little lippy with balana she starts talking in her native tongue which for whatever reason the universal translator doesn't just translate <laughs> right i guess it doesn't know the language yet she kind of has this uh, meltdown We'll later find out that her problem with that was she felt she was able to troubleshoot the problem so easily because of the way that the Necrons think and that that was just an innate ability, not a human solving a problem. Uh, And then she'll end up in a very, very awkward dinner with the captain where uh, we get more classic Janeway can't replicate things correctly. And she burned another pot roast, but conveniently has peanut butter and jelly just laying around <laughs> she, ready to she, go she has a giant thing of bread on the table as if she expected the pot roast to some bread in the future citizens of the federation keep their bread in glass carafes <laughs> it's a delicacy <laughs> here's my finest enriched white bread they call it see... butternut <laughs> Uh, here at the top, we have the luxury of keeping our bread encapsulated in glass so that goddamn cat can't get cat hair and uh, dirty fingers all over it that he has freshly licked. That's a pretty legit move, I'd say, on Voyagers, putting anything important food-wise behind glass so Neelix can't finger fuck it before you try and eat it. There's just, Sad there's just been too many salmonella cases and <laughs> sick bay. They had to start making precautions. Yeah. So she starts acting like a crazy bitch with Janeway. Um, like real early on, like, hey, can I ask you? Oh, I'm glad to hear that. You know, you we, I can speak my mind after I just made this real crass joke about your uh, pot roast. Hey, uh, why'd you send me to die? <laughs> and then like gets real weird about it. Like, no, I'm not angry, but I'm also angry. I'm just going to leave. And then she they immediately go from that scene to a dream sequence. There's no break. It's just I leave dream sequence where it's her subconscious, you know, you don't belong here anymore dream and then wakes up and immediately booty calls Harry Kim. Like, I'm just going to plop down here and we're going to fuck. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think this marks. Oh, no, this is the second time 
Harry's got wet because he got STDs in that other. Episode. Yeah, yeah. This is the second alien he also messed with that he didn't get clearance from his commanding officer first because she's technically a Kobali. <laughs> mm, and I don't know if I, there's places for me to put my dick in space. I don't know if it would be with uh, someone who has been terraformed and there's Kobali necro particles floating around. Like Harry's going to pull his dick out and it's going to be purple spotted. <laughs> His, his dick's going to be real good at problem solving on engineering uh, pattern puzzles. We're going to have to have like some sort of ranking of best 90s hottie guest star like as part of our, our finale for sending off Voyager. They really had a pattern of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just, like fired off four or five of these. We'll put The Rock in there. I don't know. Is The Rock yeah, yeah, attractive? Absol- Fuck yeah. Absolutely. Listen. You just look, you take one look at those pecs and you just can't, you just can't help but imagine things. All right. I'm just, I'm just saying there's some universal laws out there. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, Harry is a, a chump and a backup booty call. She makes him like break down uh, all the reasons why he loves her before she uh, does him and then has immediate regret and wants to go off and pout some more somewhere else. Who wouldn't have immediate regret that after fucking Harry Kim though? I mean, that seems like just, that means everything's okay yeah your brain's working the way it should uh her dad pops in to say hello and there's been a fair amount of prep work on voyager's behalf uh breaking down the shuttle and using whatever knowledge she has on the society so when the kobali come looking for her voyager is ready for that fight but uh, at first it's just her dad who as you mentioned earlier is super reasonable and says hey you know you're the guys who are just leaving these uh, very important deceased people out there floating around in space for us to pick up. We've done our thing. This is our culture. Um, she's not the person she used to be. She's new. She's my daughter. I'd like to have her back. And she's all, no, fuck you, dad. I'm a rebel. I don't care about my sister. I got to go to work. And then he's like, well, <laughs> he looks at Janeway is like, all right, well, I'm going to leave and I'm going to come back. I'm going to fuck you up. And where sometimes Janeway is like real pithy and, and, and mean and, and zingy of, on her own. She's just kind of like, all right, see you later. Go get your friends. Come back. That's we'll fine. We'll, we'll, we'll go to battle. Bring bring your fucking Necron friends. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Uh, I feel like there's more Warhammer jokes I should be making here. I don't know where, where would the Federation really fit in? Like you can't call them Imperial. Can you? No, <laughs> that's just it. Uh, the Warhammer 40 K universe is like Star Everybody's Trek's exact guy, right? opposite. Yeah. Well, it's like discovery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, your, your protagonists in Warhammer 40 K are human are insanely religious human space fascists and weeaboo space communists. That's it. All right. So these are Necrons out of water, whatever. Uh, They show back up. There's a little attack. And by this point, Ballard is already neck deep in self-doubt. She feels she doesn't belong. Uh, It's pretty paint by numbers. She just, you know, she can't reconcile her old life with how she now feels. Um, Maybe it just takes more than two days of being home after being abducted and, and terraformed for two years maybe it takes a little bit longer to shake off that kind of uh 
but we don't know because because we don't know who this person is and they had to use all their fucking screen time to tell you who she is and build again all of this unearned sentimentality and relationship with Harry and everyone else that by the time you get to the point where you really actually try and figure her out, it's too late. Oh, the episode's got to end because they had to have a B plot where seven of nine learns to be a better parent and let her kids rebel a little bit and during art projects or whatever. I want to say yeah. the reason Ballard feels so out of place, the way she's acting. And this kind of ties into our, um, our lower decks the flashbacks we get of Ballard and the Ballard we see in uniform really has some strong Mariner undertones that carefree. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Like that could very well be who she was. Absolutely. Which does not fit for Starfleet, but <laughs> well, it, it, it doesn't fit because we don't have any anchoring for that. Right. We, we have, we see only the way she is now. We don't actually see an actual flashback, right? We don't see here's Ballard and, you know, season two era Voyager when she was a member of the crew and her interactions with everybody or whatever, right? They don't like show her memories or something like that to, to set anything up. All you see is who she is now. So it's impossible to know. Is she like the way she is or is she more flippant and kind of like breezy now than she was then? There's no way to know because the show isn't telling you. Certainly it could be that she always was like that. And it's got that Mariner vibe of I'm kind of a little too, too too cool to be doing this. But, you know, they kind of waste the opportunity. Well, after only two days of trying to reintegrate with the crew, she finally throws her hands up and says, I'm going to go back to being um, Kobali and and slip off. and You know, don't fight with my dad anymore. I. I want to do this and leave the crew and everybody's like, okay, see you later. Except for Harry who has to get put in this place because uh, he's thinking with his peepee instead of uh, his enlightened Federation uh, citizen who acknowledges the choices of others to live the life that they want to. And off she goes, leaving Harry to uh, go back to his old ways of going after Paris and Kess's one-year-old as he strolls off creepily into the sunset with the little board girl to go booby trap Tuvok's meditation temple. That ending was very creepy. This is a very bad look for Harry across the board. And this from being like the friend zoned chump to maybe a serial killer to spending his free time hanging out with little girls like I think this is a punishment episode for him and he might not have known it. I, that last scene made no sense. I guess like they were trying to tie the A plot and the B plot together somehow. But that didn't come off as anything but weird and creepy. Like, very weird. Very creepy. Like why? I, you know, I guess we have seen that Harry has an affinity for children and not in a positive way. <laughs> All right. So here's the conversation I want to have about this episode. Right. Cool premise. I like the fact it's got dead Voyager crew members uh, who are coming back to the ship that are not alien imposters and other bullshit. It's crazy, zany stuff like resurrecting the dead and reconstructing like neat high concept Federation or uh, high concept sci-fi stuff. Uh, by the end, they decide not to stick around and go back. So it's it's a pretty safe bottle episode, right? You're acknowledging the choices of these people whatever the, the the shortcoming is 
you're jamming someone we don't know and we don't care about. What I conceptually what you have is an episode where it says someone dead can come back to life as long as they were disposed of in space. Seska, Suter, a- any anybody. There's been some fucking Hogan, right? <laughs> Hogan anybody that bones. Jerry Taylor had stolen and locked away and thrown away the keys forever. The man in the iron mask, right? Here's your chance to bring that person back. Maybe not as a permanent fixture. Maybe Seska would have still said, hey, you know what? I was a real piece of shit in life. And maybe I'd be better off after all being a, a Colbari or Lon Suter. I found peace in this new life. It was wrong of me to come back. Just anybody like that. You, you could have had anybody play Hogan you wanted to. It didn't have to be whatever his name was. Right. Now they look you different. Re- recast him. Yeah. That's fine. Now you got this. No one gives a fuck. You did that already in- with uh, Time Cop. So whatever. Yeah. It, it could have been Harry Kim's floating dead body out there, as you pointed out. Like, yeah, you could have done this episode and pulled off some really cool shit. And you've also had situations like this where you could have brought back big name cast members before permanently and you didn't. So it's not like, oh, well, they just wanted to shoehorn Martha Hackett back into here. So they made a whole episode like you've done stuff like this before. You've earned the fact that these things do happen. And and God forbid you would have used it to bring back someone that the show could have really desperately used. I would have been willing to accept literally any actual character that had previously died on this show, whether they are a beloved by you and I. Character. You've named them all. If it was somebody that was an extra that died on screen, if it was the latent image lady, it didn't matter to me who it was. Could have been a a Maquis that died early, like that just need to be someone that you had some connection to. And they just shot him out into space. It could have been the fucking astronaut from the the space station who died in the, the warp rift or whatever. Instead, you get an episode where they take this interesting premise and then they jam 25 minutes of backstory about Harry's Canadian girlfriend slash, you know, friend zone compatriot and waste it. Oh, and then you've got 15 minutes of a B plot and that sucks. (laughs) So I don't know why you liked it. I really don't. I don't think there's anything here worth liking. I think there's just another long line of Voyager's good ideas wasted on on bad execution. You know, part part 162 of, of 168. Well, I've got the answer for that right here, Joe. Uh, turning back the page of my notes. Oh, spirit folk. <laughs> uh, collective was all right. What was before that? Oh, so- <laughs> Kasatse. So, so you're Memorial. saying that you liked this episode because it didn't offend Virtuoso. you? <laughs> I like this episode because I didn't actively hate it and hate my <laughs> life for 45 minutes. Listen, man, Voyager's broken me. Like, I, it, I'm not hard to please at this point. If you could lay down a solid concept, if you can do different stuff that I haven't seen before, like. it's rare to see an old crew member come back and it not be an alien trick. The only other time I can think of an old crew member coming back was like 
yesterday's enterprise which is off the fucking charts amazing in comparison to anything we're talking about as far as voyager goes you know it's it wasn't the worst thing ever it's not the best but it's not the worst and that's all i need out of voyager to be pretty happy i just i would consider this worse than some of the things you mentioned to be honest with you obviously i think spirit folk was better but uh, sunatsuke i thought that was a better episode than this easily Mm-mm. No, absolutely. No, pro- no problem. That was an easier. That was a better. Episode You're just a pro wrestling fanboy on that one, man. That's soon's cannot say. I'm a DS9 fanboy and I got JG in that one. Like I, we had a we had a Herogen show up again. I think there's well, we sp- got a Herogen murder victim here. Look, the pieces, <laughs> the pieces are there. OK, I want to assure you that the hit rate for this season picks up dramatically from this point forward. And it starts with the next episode. So tell us what that's going to be. Uh, we're going into season six episode. Speaking of Lon Suter, Brad Dourif. <laughs> season six, episode 19, Child's Play. And there's Jamie looking smug. Seven of nine should be overjoyed after Echeb's parents are located. But she's suspicious when she finds out that a childlike doll with Lon Suter's voice has murdered them. Uh, <laughs> she's suspicious when told about his original assimilation circumstances. I'm of the opinion that season seven of Voyager is is probably its best. It's it's eminently rewatchable, has extremely high hit rate of good episodes. Season six has obviously been rough, but I'm happy to tell you from this point forward, this is where we get to kind of the ramp up into 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 good. Um, this this is a good episode. And I think that I'm looking through like of the next. Of the rest of the season, I think there's only one virtuoso level dud waiting for us. I will be interested to see where season seven takes us. Uh, Six has been very, very disappointing. And I consistently find myself reflecting back on season four and five with very fond memories. Um, I find myself looking, thinking about season three with fond memories in particular that that might be the early peak of the show in an undisputed fashion for me now even season two had some real gems like you know tying back into this episode i think voyager takes bigger risks with some of the fringe sci-fi stuff they touch on the shame is because of the episodic ship in a bottle format like a lot of that doesn't have lasting consequences and ultimately becomes like shallow and pointless but but i respect the effort for the story they try and tell uh, and but i do think yeah 345 they they landed some solid shots um now that we've got the meta plot really starting to spin up uh, about the voyage home i'll be curious to see where where these Voyager episodes take us, especially now that you're you're playing these Borg cards with the, the Borg kids in here. All right. Well, we thank all of you for continuing along on this hateful voyage of the Delta Quadrant with us. We'll see you next week. 